welcome to the Readings Podcast, a fortnightly celebration of books. In today's episode, Readings Programming Manager Chris Gordon talks to author Nguyen Phan Kwame about her new book, The Mountains Sing. A quick reminder, as we're still locked out of our studio due to restrictions from COVID-19, this episode has been recorded over the internet and that has had some impact on the sound quality. Now, here's Chris. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Gordon. I'm the Programming Manager for Readings. Today, I'm incredibly privileged to be crossing the miles, crossing the oceans, to be speaking to the lovely Guame, who is now in Jakarta, but has written the most extraordinary book, The Mountain Sing. I want to tell you a little bit about yourself, which seems strange, (laughs) Uh, Guame, before we get started. Uh, You were born in a small village in the north of Vietnam. You migrated with your family to the Mekong Delta, south of Vietnam, when you were only six years old. Thanks to your incredible academic achievements, you received a scholarship from the Australian government to study in Australia for four years. In Melbourne? Yes, in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Upon your return to Vietnam, you worked for several international organisations, including the UN agencies, to foster Vietnam's sustainable development. You also, because that's not enough, you also got a Master's in Creative Writing from the UK's Lancaster University and an Honorary Fellow in Writing of the Hong Kong Baptist University. You've been honoured with the Poetry of the Year 2010 Award. You've got the Capitals Literature and Arts Award, First Prize, the Poetry Competition, uh, extraordinary amounts of actually awards. There's a very, very long list. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Chris, and readings and the listeners in Melbourne who are having me. I feel like I'm coming home to Melbourne. I mean, it, it seems just like yesterday when I traveled outside of Vietnam for the first time ever in my life oh my and landed in Melbourne and like I was so excited. And how old were you then? Not very old. I, yeah, I was like uh, no, 20 years old and I, you know, like, yeah, it was my first big trip, you know, and I was so excited and I learned so much and I must say I could not have been able to write this book without my experience in Australia because Australia gave me the English language you know before coming to Australia I knew so little of the English language. Am I right in thinking that you started learning English when you were in uh, high school eighth grade yeah so my my school did not have any English teacher so so actually I was lucky to be able to you know to find uh, a teacher who held um, classes for poor kids. Wow. So he did it, uh, you know, like as out, out of compassion for us. So he had evening classes. So I, I did not have a, uh, have English classes, uh, you know, as part of my schooling yeah. until um, until I reached university. In I spent I studied first year of university in Saigon. Um, and then I, you know, but we had English like uh, maybe once every week or something. So it was, so when I went to Australia, I did not 
understand much and i remember because you know but i studied by myself because i knew english was the key to the world right so my writing was quite good so for to for me to be able to get that scholarship i had to pass the uh, some exams uh-huh. in english and my i did quite well in the in writing but when it went came to the oral examination i could not answer the question <laughs> because you know like i remember one of the question was describe your hometown and i lived in bac leo at that time and i thought i could only say uh, it's muddy <laughs> i could only say one <laughs> sentence and it was i i was sure that i would fail but luckily you know um yeah so yeah. i so, hope they treated you well i hope that melbourne was kind to you i the other day when i got the invitation for a podcast with you i was thinking about my time in australia and i was i was crying oh. you know because um when before my my journey to australia i was a university student living in a small room with eight you know seven other girls we slept on bunk bed and let me tell you my parents had no money so i had to tutor to have to have food to eat right and a lot of the time i went to bed hungry i did not have enough food and my the biggest treat for myself was being able to buy an egg and cook it with with tomato tomato soup and an egg that was the the treat of the month you know and i i mean i was hungry most of the time and i mean to be in australia and to have that scholarship was a great opportunity for me to learn and to not worry about being hungry it was the biggest gift and my parents were heavily in debt at that time we were being sued by because because you know it was very difficult at that time and my parents wanted to to vent, they ventured into some business with their friends and then they were like cheated so we sold our house we sold everything even my little cassette that i used to learn english we we had to sell everything and they owned so much money and the bank ordered us to pay like 12% interest per month it's 12% per month and you know and we we sold our house but there was no way to for them to earn money right my my mother was selling ice cream on the street my father was working all day in the rice fields and i got this scholarship program it saved us so you know when i my first year in australia when i was learning english at the latro university language center i worked as a cashier from some chinese um, you know i'm still so emotional talking about it because i sent everything i could save you know to vietnam for my parents to 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 um pay back the debt and we could i mean this this scholarship saved me and saved my family in so many ways and i was so committed to go back to vietnam you know to return what australia did for me so i you know i must tell you that inspired by the so many things that i learned from australia i set up something that i'm really proud we is still going very strong today is like a voluntary um group to help children with cancer 
oh. in Vietnam because like I I was very lucky to live with an Australian family Suzanne and Jim Russell and they donated blood so often so when I went back to Vietnam I, I went to hospitals and I wanted you know to I, I was inspired by the kind of all the voluntary activities community activities of the Australian people, right? I wanted to implement some of those models. So I set up this voluntary program and I set up some something called the walking uh, blood uh, bank. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the doctors could call me when they needed some urgent uh, blood donation because in Vietnam, people actually believe that um, when I started the group, a lot of people believe that, you know, like the group, um, the um, the blood carries a part of your soul. So if you donate blood, it, it's bad for you. Yeah, so, you I, so much. Yeah, so we had to do some kind of campaigning, education activities to kind of tell the people the importance of this blood donation. So, you know, I set up the walking blood bank of people with rare blood groups, right? You know, like really rare blood groups. So the doctors could call me and you know and the i would call the people and they would go to the hospitals to donate blood right away so amazing. like these That's are some amazing story yeah well your parents must be so proud of you but i read, did read somewhere in an interview that you said that your parents never wanted you to be a writer no <laughs> is, it, is this true this is very true because like <laughs> because um you know i have always loved reading as a child and yeah. you know because vietnam was divided into north and south um in 1954 so after the war our family moved to the south of vietnam when i was six years old like in my bio right but because the south had belonged to another country and people considered us to be invaders so we were very much discriminated against i was uh, you know like bullied at school so for the first few years i did not have many friends they they i was called bucky um you know it was very hard but so what, I, what does that mean what would that mean bucky means um uh, you know like like stupid northerners uh -huh, uh -huh. it could be could be translated uh, loosely like that but it's it's a demeaning full way of you know of the southerners to look at the northerners and i did not i resented it that that time but i i late only later i understood the roots of the of the resentment because of you know of what the southerners had experienced during the war and after the war you know like i i wrote in my book you know um, a lot of them were put into re-education programs. A lot of them, uh, their assets were taken away, nationalized. And I think it, it was, it was um, it, you know, a lot of these issues are still unresolved, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so at that time, I did not have friends and I felt very much as a stranger in this, in, in this part of, you know, it was... Um, Bạc Liêu, a small rural town of Vietnam, it was very conservative and I felt very much alone but I found friendship and you know in the books that I that I read and I wanted to become a writer and and my parents said no um, haven't you heard 
you know, what had happened to our writer in yeah. history. So don't become a writer. No, you, you, you wouldn't want to have these, these problems. So my two brothers, I have two older brothers who, you know, whom I looked up to and who asked the, you know, my models and they're very wise. And they told me, we are so poor. We don't have enough things to eat. Do something useful with your life, you know. So I went on to study business because they encouraged me to, you know, earn money and, you know, support parents because that's what Vietnamese, you know, children, yes, are supposed to do, you know, support not just yourself but your parents. So my parents told me, no, don't become a writer. <laughs> Uh, this this book is uh, in some ways an ode to to your parents and to your love of reading. I would have thought. I yeah. love that throughout the book there are stories of the main character reading these uh, quite traditional English stories sometimes or American stories. I was very taken with uh, the character reading little uh, the little girl in the woods the little house in the prairie series i loved yes. that so much when i was a child as well yes yes <laughs> imagine that you are reading these type of books in the middle of the tropical forest or wherever it seems extraordinary to me well actually one of my favorite uh, books was uh, 1001 nights oh yeah 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 so yeah. many stories <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was I couldn't stop reading, right? Um, so I I like and I realized the power of storytelling. It could save ourselves and save others. And I think I want and I felt the importance of female voices in literature too. And when I uh, later on, when I started reading literature in English, I was frustrated at the representation of Vietnamese women in literature in English. When it comes to Vietnam and Vietnamese women, we are often seen as victims, as absent of, of agency, as, you know, um, sex over sex, you know, as stupid as, you know, opportunistic. So I wanted to to represent the women whom I met throughout my life, you know, the women who had to bear the burdens of history, but become the pillars of not just their families, but also the whole society. This extraordinary book, The Mountain Sings, just seems to me such a beautiful tribute, not only to uh, what you were just saying to the women and, and in particular the grandmother, who is as strong and as fierce and as intelligent and as compassionate as any female character I've ever read before. To those that have only got the pleasure of reading this book, there are scenes where this grandmother lifts up her granddaughter and runs mm. to, bomb, the to bomb shelters mm. with this 12-year-old where she boils banana roots to be able to feed her her children, where she hides, where she covers her tracks so that she can uh, keep her family safe. The character of the grandmother in your book, which uh, allows you, I guess, to tell this history of Vietnam, mm. quite extraordinary. Is it? I, actually, you know, um, before I was born, both of my grandmothers had died. Uh, one due to childbirth and, uh, you know, and another one due to the great hunger of 1945. And so um, 
you know, growing up, I was very jealous of friends who had mothers to tell them stories, you know. And, and so I, I told myself as a little girl, one day was, I would want to write a book with a grandmother's figure in it so that I would have a mother, a, a grandmother to myself. And, you know, everybody needs this grandmother. Everybody yeah. needs that grandmother in their yeah. life. <laughs> And I think grandmothers are just like so wonderful, right? Because in, in the Vietnamese culture, grandmothers, you know, sing lullabies to us. And, and, and you know, like they are like um, the bridges to, to our ancestors, you know. They pass on the oral histories. And I wanted to continue that storytelling tradition by writing this book. But also this book is about finding a grandma and getting to know about them because I don't even have a picture of grand, my grandmothers. No picture. And so if, if Grandma, if you were describing this, this book to those that haven't read it yet, and, and really I will be recommending everyone that I know to read a story like this because it's generational, it's uh, got these extraordinary female characters, but it also is a history of Vietnam and the trauma that this country has gone through. and. Mm -hmm so often and for so long now so you're using the story of the grandmother and grandmother's life to take us through all the different terrible times that Vietnam has had how would you describe it how would you describe this novel to, um, to, to yeah, so, um, yeah so I would say that the novel uh, the mountain sing is a journey into Vietnam's 20th century history Via yep. the lives of four generations of um, of a Vietnamese family, and is told in the voices of two women, her grandmother Diệu Lan and her granddaughter Hương. I was very interested in your beautiful writing styles, actually, because there was a there's a little bit of a flip. It, this is a book that is uh, you're very aware that the author you uh, is a poet. That the, the language is beautiful. It's lyrical. That in particular, when the grandmother is telling her stories, when she is telling her stories, uh, which is, you know, one chapter on, one chapter off, you are settling down. And it is as if you're hearing uh, a fairy tale on one hand, but the, the trauma of these stories mm -hmm. is, is mind-boggling. I know that you went into villages to research. I can't even imagine how you gathered all of this information about what people of a certain generation in your country have gone through actually you know um a lot of the vietnamese history is not undocumented is it undocumented uh, so you had to go and speak to people yes and 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 i think um you know because of, of censorship in vietnam um uh, you know like for example about the land reform people are not allowed to talk about it openly and also the official viewpoint about trauma is that we won the war there's no trauma so so you know i was i was doing some research on trauma and ptsd and i only found one research so far done on a very small scale on the impact of PTSD and trauma on the Vietnam. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I know many stories of veterans who committed suicide, of, of you know, of 
families of veterans who have suffered so much and who are still highly traumatized. But these stories have been silenced because also because of the stigma in the society, because of the common belief that when you traumatize, you are possessed by ghosts. Well, mate, is that still the case now? If you went into a village, oh, still now, still now. Yeah, so there's, there's hardly any treatment uh, for the traumatized people, right? No counseling, uh, no treatment. So, so I wanted to unsilence these silent stories because I don't want them, I, I want to bring to the surface the, you know, the need for us to heal. And one of the ways for us to heal is to, to, to commun communalize this, this trauma and to talk about it because, you know, to tell others that we are not alone. We are in this together and there are still so many people who are still suffering. You know, like so many Vietnamese are still waiting for the return of their loved ones. Wow. They are like, there are still hundreds of thousands of people who are still missing in the war and there are still mothers and and wives who are, and daughters who are still waiting for the return of the man oh, that's terrible. In, in their family, you know, and, and, and it's just like, we have TV programs that call new to uh, it means as if there were no separation. So there are families going on to these programs and say I'm searching for my family you know member missing in this year because of the bombing or you know it's just so many heartbreaking stories and you know you know you know when it comes to Vietnamese history is so complex you know because we have been dominated colonized by so uh, many different different places the French the Americans the Japanese yeah the Mongolian, the Chinese, <laughs> so many powers have tried to uh, to colonize Vietnam. I'm and so sorry. I'm so sorry that this has happened to such a beautiful country and to such beautiful people. Is there, because of all this, you know, these history, would you call Vietnam, uh, 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 do you think that people are still holding some hatred for other nations that have come? Like, is it a racist society there? Um, I mean, on one hand, um, yeah. angry society, I should say, perhaps rather. Um, I think the Vietnamese have moved on. Um, if you go back to Vietnam now, you see a sense of optimism. People are really like looking forward, um, you know, to the future. And, you know, people are into, you know, making a great future and pursuing materialistic things and that's the sad thing you know it has become too much uh, industrialized and the globalization takeover yeah yeah so we have left behind uh, a lot of the things like um i don't know um, you know the tradition of singing lullabies and talking in proverb is being forgotten, you know? So that's why I felt the need also to talk about these traditions as well. But I think the Vietnamese people are very welcoming when it comes to, you know, like uh, international visitors. So, you know, if you go to Vietnam, people don't talk about the war, but there are war, war remnant museums or war museums. If you go there, you feel you would see how devastating the war has been to us. And if you talk deeply to people, and discover their family histories. There's still so much pain, uh, and 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 there. But I think people have tried to suppress that that kind of 
pain and anger and move on. And I think that's the danger of it because like if we're not healed, we can pass it on to the next generation. But this book is also about the uh, diasporic Vietnamese too, like the Vietnamese Australians who, who live in Australia, you know. I have had, um, you know, Vietnamese who live outside of Vietnam who reach out to me and said our whole family have read the book and like, like, for example, the younger people said we were never able to talk to our parents. But after reading this book together, they told us exactly what happened to our family. And it's so similar to experiences in the Chan, in the Chan family in your book. And I think, you know, any uh, history of a, any, the history of any Vietnamese family can be written into an epic novel because we have gone through so much. I mean, uh-huh. if you read a Vietnamese who in Australia, right, the, who, who like risk their lives to become both people. These in, people are heroes. These yes, people survive. heroes, right? They, they, you know, they survive so much and they do so well. I mean, the contribution of the Vietnamese community in, in Australia is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, through this, I just want to acknowledge all the kindness of Australian people. Has their, their, demonstrated towards our community during the difficult time you know like for example you know um, i was i was um, so i stayed with the russia um, the russell family during my time in melbourne and one of the family members carolyn just reached out to me and you know like when i stayed with the family we didn't talk much about her family but now she told me that her parents sponsored like 500 vietnamese refugees at that time incredible it's you incredible. know, I mean, many Australians have done so many things for I'm the people. And I'm, I'm not just enough, not enough. But I'm, I'm glad that there's been some kindness that have come through. I found that your book, uh, it was, it was a very quick history lesson on this extraordinary country and these people. One of the things that I really liked about your writing style, Kuma, was that you kept making references back to the beautiful seasons that were happening within <laughs> Vietnam and that importance of the earth and country Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that actually i'm a countryside girl you know i grew up in a rural area of vietnam and i just feel like um i mean it's also this book is also relates to the current environment where we're living in um where we, we destroy nature we don't appreciate nature and i think last year the forest fires in australia demonstrate I mean, I, I was so heartbroken to watch the images of animals being killed, of nature being devastated. It's like we should do more to protect our, our environment. So my book is also an effort to hang on to the beauty of, of nature and an appreciation of nature because, you know, like Grandma Ziolan, you know, said in the novel, whenever humans fail us, nature can save us. I thought that your references to the earth were, were really very, very poetic and I, could, I felt like I was, I was right there amongst the roots and, and, and the ground and the dirt and, and the straw beds. I, your, your writing makes me feel like I'm in the same room with you at all times. Thank you so much. And, you know, like, I'm just so, um, so grateful that I could, or, you know, keep the, um, 
the tonal marks of the Vietnamese language in the book, right? Mm-hmm. It could it makes it a bit challenging for the reader to kind of get to know. No, oh, you don't. I think I think it's very so important that you have mm-hmm. in your own languages and you use these these proverbs that I, I just want to remember mm-hmm. so that I can tell them to my children. <laughs> just because they're wise and yeah. And I, I really. I really, really enjoyed that part of it. Can you tell me a little bit about what was the hardest part of the book to write? Mm. What What did you find the most difficult time of writing this book? The most, I mean, I have had, uh, I had challenges on different kind of, levels first of all language right because english is my second language you, tra- you translated this book you you wrote this in yeah i i wrote it in english but with with it's, it's extraordinary like can we just let's just share a moment where we just say oh my goodness you've written an entire novel in a language that is not your first it is i don't know anyone else that can do this you've done this so I, I mean, I, I, I think I took a big risk, but I think I wanted to climb a big mountain, right, with my bare feet. <laughs> and I said, I climb it with one, the pen in one hand, a dictionary in another hand. <laughs> I use the dictionary, but I also use my instinct to kind of, because I wanted to protect the Vietnamese essence of my writing. I wanted to protect the setting, the Vietnamese thinking, the essence of our culture in this story. So, so it was so very I, deliberate, those two sto- the two different types of styles of writing that you've got there, the grandmothers and the granddaughters. That's very deliberate, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so, so it's the old and the new Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, and, and I, I wanted it to be um, the thinking and the actions are Vietnamese, but how to translate it into English. So, so I, for example, the proverbs, I spent I spend many months or over a year translating this proverb again and again because I wanted to capture, you know, the, the Vietnamese elements of, of the proverbs, for example, um, the proverb mưa dầm thấm lâu, soft and persistent rain penetrates the earth better than storms. So it's about the value of patience, right? And I wanted to use that because Vietnam is basically, uh, you know, an agricultural country and we work a lot with the earth, like you said, you know, uh, the image of of nature and the earth in the novel so i wanted to bring that 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 proverb into into the novel and and you know you asked about the challenge the other challenge is emotional pain because i lost family members yeah. you know um so so it's very hard i for example my grandmother was killed in the uh, great hunger of 1945 where two million other Vietnamese died, and I think this event There's is some like scenes in your book where the granddaughter and the grandmother are walking through mm. the path, and people are grabbing their legs. There are people dying on the side of the road from starvation. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. Yes, sobbed and sobbed. I mean, this is not very long ago. This is not very long ago, right? The atrocities. The, the things that we that humans can do to each oh, other we often forget we move on and we think 
we think wars belong to the past but look around the world there's so many wars still going on and still yeah. people are still dying because of hunger uh, because of negligence because of violence and i think we should do more to make sure these events do not happen again and i think you know like um it was very very um because my grandmother died in the great hunger and that event was like largely ignored in you wrote a poem history. about your grandma did you yeah it's a beautiful poem about your dad and yes. mum yeah i love that poem thank uh, you and uh, you know, a poem that I, has no name or something like that is that the right the poem i can't yet name the poem i can't yet name i've got and you said uh after 65 years my father and i stood in front of my grandmother's grave and i heard my father call mum for the first time the rice field behind his back trembled it says everything that little phrase it's beautiful you're a beautiful writer thank you so much i mean i you know like my um so my grandma died in the great hunger together with her younger son and her brother and because so many people died in the village right there were few people who could bury the dead so the person who buried her could not remember where he had buried oh, the corpses so many years later 65 years you know we found the graves and actually i was the one who returned to my father's village first wow. and my father was not there but i imagine him being there i imagine the rice fields trembling because i heard him calling mom for the first time wow. and i think you know in the vietnamese uh, culture if you do not find the grave of a relative it is believed that the person is a wandering ghost, unable to rest. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that we 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 find the graves and burn incense and to call to call the the souls home. Yeah. Um, so you know that's why it's still very painful for you know for Vietnamese people who have missing family members. And you know I I must also say tell you that. Um, while i was in australia i met with you know refugees vietnamese refugees and veterans of the vietnam war and i had conversations with them conversations that would later inspire and 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 influence my books because this book is written not from um i wanted to have um an overall view of our history because it's so complex you know okay. and i wanted to to be fair to the sufferings of all sides you know because there were australians who fought in the vietnam war and i mean you know um and there you know vietnamese uh, australians who suffered a lot compared also compared to the john family members in this story you know it's just just so many people and so many viewpoints that i wanted to bring into into this story how long did it take you to bring this book together? I've, I've read somewhere that it was seven years, but it seems to me like it's been in the making for your whole life. I know. I have always wanted to write this book. Mm. You know, as a little girl, I wanted to write, you know, because I wanted to write a story that, that talked about the roots of the Vietnam War and talk about Vietnam as a country, not just a war. So I think I have researched for this story my whole life and it pulls my together my experience 
uh, you know, being an, a small girl in the north of Vietnam, growing up surrounded by women who stood on the dike of the village waiting for the return of their husbands every day. Oh my Lord. Every day I was flying my kite and I saw these women right there waiting. And when I moved to the south of Vietnam, again, I saw these women waiting. Mm. And, you know, like women who waited for the return of their husbands from re-education came from, from the war and, and not knowing whether they would come back. And I, I want to tell you that one day I went to school, right? I was, I think I was, I don't know, maybe I was eight years old. I was walking to school and I saw a woman um, being, you know, she had hung herself on the tree branch. She committed suicide because her three sons did not return from the war. And I think, you know, there's just, a war is so, so terrible. And I don't think we do enough to stop war and promote peace. And I think in the story, you know, Hương talks about the importance of reading. She said, if everyone reads literature from other countries, there would be no war on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to stop seeing other people as the other, as okay. the others, as those different from us. But I think, you know, like living in Australia, I understood that Australians, just like Vietnamese, you love your families, you love peace, you, you just love a life when you, you know, an ordinary life where you have peace around you, when you don't have to fight for your for survival, you don't have to worry about not having water or food or having bombs dropped onto your head and I think that's a wish of everyone in this world and if we have that common understanding and support each other and work towards peace and protect our environment and 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 our society you know we are so connected and you know this pandemic shows us that we are so connected because if a country is left behind you know we are all all, we're all in it we're yeah. all in it you know yeah. and i think this pandemic has been quite extraordinary in the sense that it means that there's opportunities it's opened up opportunities for us to talk like i'm not sure that before this pandemic you and i would sit down here and have a chat about your gorgeous book it seems very important to me that we do and that we get news of your wonderful story out and about can we've, we're running out of time but i wanted to just ask you a couple more questions if i could Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask how you would describe yourself as an as a writer. What words would you use to describe yourself? Given that you've come from poetry, given that you're a historian, given that you are a collector of so many memories, how would you describe your writing? Mm, I would like to say that I'm a learner. Uh, I learn so much every day uh, and I'm just so driven by the new things that I'm learning every day through I, my reading and my conversations. I learn today by talking with you and every day, you know, like every day I'm reading books from different parts of the world and I'm learning so much and, and you know, my interaction with readers. So, so I hope, I just hope that, you know, I will keep writing and, and having that passion. You know, I think because I used to make documentary films and a filmmaker told me, you can't make a good film unless your hands be 
trample behind the camera. And oh. as a writer, my, my pain has trembled when I write. I need to have my heart in the right place, have compassion for the topic I'm writing about, you know. This is not about, you know, making money or, you know, or getting famous, it's, but it's about telling the stories that need to be told. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, can you also tell me how you would describe, uh, how you would describe your country now? How would you describe... Just maybe in two or three words, how would you describe Vietnam now? I know that it's hospitable. I know that it's beautiful. But what words would you use? Having written this history now where people um, have I, I been crucified in every way possible. The, the first word that, or phrase that comes to my mind is fast developing. Yeah, right. Developing so fast in so many different areas. but at at also high cost uh, you know because we 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 become industrialized yeah. so quickly that we um, you know like the cost to the environment yeah. to the social system is tremendous we are destroying a lot of forests a lot of nature to build and build and build and you know and uh, the 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 cost will be will be born by the generations in the future we see a lot really high cancer rate in vietnam now because people use a lot of pesticide uh, to spray uh, on their crops and and you know um yeah so um, there's the pollution in vietnam is, is also very bad so yeah fast developing and and i mean i would like to us to think more about sustainable development, you know, and, yeah. and, and the impact of any development on society, on our culture. Um, yeah, and I think uh, Vietnamese people are still, uh, you know, forward thinking. Vietnam is very much forward thinking. We are very hopeful for the future. So everyone works for the future. They save up and they send their kids to Australia, to the US to get an education, you know, and also very, you know, oriented towards, uh, you know, getting a good education and willing to learn. So, you know, the, and very ambitious. Oh, Vietnamese people are so ambitious. Our country is ambitious in reaching, you know, a lot of different goals. And my very final question that I have to ask you, because essentially I am a bookseller, a proud, proud bookseller. Thank you. What are you reading now? Oh, I just, you know, I just, I'm reading so many things. I just Good, 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 good. Can you concentrate for a long time? Because I've heard lots of people are now, during this pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you can't concentrate for as long as you used to be. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that? Actually, no. I, um, you know, I think I read much more in the during the pandemic because with the pandemic you you become very worried and you become so tense and book the books now you are unable to travel right books is the cheapest way to travel now and for example I just finished reading the uh, henna artist the henna artist and the henna artist yes is like henna yes the henna uh, yeah the henna art of india and it's written by you know her name is auka 
um, yeah. So it's a wonderful book, and it's it's like the life of India in the fifties. You know, it's, it's wonderful. And your bookshop, I see that you carry um, a copy of A Burning. A oh, Burning. yeah, beautiful. A burning. Beautiful, you know, story about modern day India, right? That's incredible and, story. Yes, and I, you know, I just finished reading that book too, and it's, it's just wonderful. And, uh, you know, for example, I love another book called um, the, Girl, uh, the Girl with the Louding Voice. Oh, Abby Dare. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's about this girl who um who who who's too poor uh to to be sent to school, but she fights for the rights for her education. So it's written by this um a wonderful author from Nigeria, and uh, yeah, and you know, I just also I love a book called um, the Jane Austen Society. <laughs> Yes. You have been right around the world just with your reading list. You have gone to so many countries, to every continent in the world so far. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I should read more on uh, Australian, um, you know, Australian authors. So, so actually one Australian author whose book I love is um, oh, uh, The Majesties. The Majesties. The Majesties. Um, I can't think of it. Um, yes, she is um, an Indonesian Australian. Um, Tiffany Sa uh, Tiffany Sao. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so actually, she, uh, she her book is about um, you know a rich Indonesian. You know, she's living in Australia, but yeah. this book is about, uh, and, you know, a rich uh, Chinese Indonesian family, uh, you know, and the fight within the family and, but, and, all, and all the, you know, like, uh, you know, like about, about this very rich family and the issues they have to deal with in the contemporary Indonesian society. It's, it's fascinating. But, you know, the next... I really want to um, read about Australian history, you know, the, because, for example, uh, your experiences dealing with the Aboriginal people have really inspired me. And I think these, these stories are so important and I want to read about, you know, Australian history much more because it's very complex and how you have dealt with your history and have honoured, you know. I think it's fair to say on behalf of all of Australians that we've not dealt with our history well, that uh, we would give ourselves a fail for dealing with our history as a, as a community. Uh, perhaps it is that we all are seeking good news stories. I'm not sure, but certainly Australia's history is not one of them. We have got time for uh, oh, oh, one oh, more question. Oh, look at you. So, sorry, I need to say that I love the happiest refugee by Angle. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a brilliant writer. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and another Vietnamese Australian reader whom I love is Nam Le, The Boat. Oh. You uh, I love oh, oh, Nam Le is a great friend of readings and, uh, yeah, we're all very... Yeah, very much I, looking forward to his next book but he is busy with family I think yeah so now, I, I had a residency with him 
you know so we were talking about his next book so i'm very excited about that. i am too actually he's a lovely man really lovely man uh can i ask the last question before i i've taken up so much of your time is i want just three words hmm. that describe you what three words would you use to describe you three words easy to cry oh <laughs> Easy oh, to I love I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Only I, I I mean I cry I cry like I cry reading a book I write I cry now talking to you I cry thinking <laughs> about the past but I think tears are also necessary no I, <laughs> I I don't know and you know like um, if I travel throughout Vietnam and I talk to people I often hug them and cry with them because like I think you know people need to tell and share the stories and often you know often so many people think that there are not there are not many people who want to listen to them right? and especially the older so, generation i'm so glad that i've had the time to listen to you today and i hope that everybody that's listening to us rushes out immediately to read your beautiful story the Mountain Sing, a history of Vietnam told through the eyes of uh, two women, a grandmother and a granddaughter, both extraordinary women. Uh, Gwen San thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for being a friend to Readings. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us. Uh, and I guess all I can say to you on a one-to-one, -one, on woman-to-woman -woman is I cry all the time as well. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm so glad to hear that and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to return home to Melbourne, return oh, home to Australia. I'm very teary right now. Your um, book made me cry a lot, actually. I, thank you. Thank you for the lesson in Vietnam history. Thank you for the poetry within your words. And thank you for being brave enough to go into the villages to record all of those stories, to gather people's memories, to be able to create uh, this one part of Vietnam. You've done an incredible, incredible job. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can stream previous episodes of The Readings Podcast on our website, where you'll also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books, music, film and TV. While there, you can also sign up to our e-news or to receive our free monthly print newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Production and music for this podcast was provided by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty was never ceded.